0: radioinfluence.com Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we are here in beautiful LFS. Lawfather Studios right here at Lawfather Headquarters. Make sure you check out all of the Radio Influence shows. Check out Jason's show about MMA. He's right here in studio with me. And uh, check out DJ Eakin's podcast. Uh, and I know there's a lot of other good podcasts on there as well. But, um, well, those are the two that I know. So go check them out. So let's talk about the student loan forgiveness. Let's you know, Recently, President Biden has uh, forgiven up to $10,000. Or not up to. I believe it's kind of an all or nothing. Uh, $10,000. Well, I guess it is up to because if you owe less than $10,000, then it's not all $10,000, right? It's up to $10,000 of what you would owe uh, in your student loans under certain parameters. Now, let's look at a couple things. Does this apply to all student loans? It does not. It only applies to federally backed or federal student loans. So anything that was really gotten through the Department of Education that's all it applies to. If you went down to your local bank uh, and got a private loan, or, or if there's banks that did uh, student loans uh, privately, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, may have been Fannie Mae, I don't know. That, that may be mortgages, either way. There are, there are private banks that did student loans. That doesn't apply. This just applies to the Department of Education has a bunch of money and they loan it out as a loan and you can use it to pay for school, okay? Actually, it goes right to the school. So. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about this student loan forgiveness. Now, how was it done? It wasn't done going through the legislature, right? So typically the way things happen in this country, laws and and acts and other things like that, it goes either in the House or the Senate, they'll create what's called a bill, basically they take and they write a bunch of words on a piece of paper. And what they do is they vote on it, they write it all out, they vote on it, and if it passes one, it goes to the other. And if they both pass identical versions of that bill, it then goes to the president to sign to become a law. Okay. That's how it works. So the president can veto it. And I believe it's, uh, two thirds. If there's two thirds vote, um, at the, in the legislature, the house and the senate, uh, they can override a presidential veto. Um, uh, so that's where we are. And, and what President Biden did was he did not go through the legislature. Okay. He, signed what's called an executive order. An executive order is this, right? Executive meaning the president is part of the executive branch, executive, and an order is something that, if we change the wording a little bit, uh, make it a little bit more familiar, uh, judges sign orders and when you you hear of a court order, right? Court order says you have to do this. Same thing. Right. We're just going to we're going we're going to exchange the word judge for executive and we're going to know that that means president. Uh, Governors can also sign executive orders. Um, I believe that was how um, Governor DeSantis suspended uh, our state attorney, Andrew Warren, here in Hillsborough County. Um, Anyway, so how how does Biden get to do this? Right. Because typically these things, like I said, are done through the through the legislature. So how is it that he's allowed to do this? Well, in 2003, the HEROES Act was passed. And what it did was it gave this big, broad ability or authority to reduce or eliminate student debt during a national emergency. Okay. So let's think about this just for one moment. That was from 2003. Now we're in 2022. I'm pretty sure everybody that's listening knows about what happened in 2020. And uh, if that doesn't count as a national emergency, I'm not really sure what would. Although I guess those of us in Florida who, um, well, we didn't really have to shut down. We actually pretty much uh, lived life as, well, we still do. Um, Thank you, Governor DeSantis. I appreciate uh, everything you did for us there as uh, we all stayed open and um, pretty much all Still had jobs at the time. Um, really didn't affect the lawyer business a whole lot. So uh, thank you. I appreciate the ability to do that. Although Jason may have other ideas being that uh, he uh, works in the hospitality at times. Um, maybe a little different for them. But anyway, we're off on a tangent here. That is what Biden hung his hat on. And he's been trying to figure this out. And Now, look, now, was this political wrangling of going, you know, hey, we're trying to analyze this 2003 law, right? And it took us... Oh, I don't know. How long has he been in office? It's 22 20, years now, right? Is it two years? Yeah, two years. Been in office two years now. We've been trying to figure it out for two years. It's such a complicated legal topic. It took us two years to figure it out. Or was it, well, you know, midterm elections and primaries and the, yeah, um, maybe this is a good time to come out with it to, you know, help the party. I don't know. I don't know if it's political or not. I'm not going to go down that, that path of a conspiracy theory, but maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But... That's what he hung his hat on to sign that executive order. I would not be shocked. It is uh, This is being recorded on August 29th, 2022. I would not be shocked that before the end of the year, before the end of 2022, that we don't see some lawsuits. I would be shocked if we didn't see any lawsuits. Um, I think we will. I think we will see some lawsuits on this challenging whether or not the president had the ability to do it. And, you know, I, I think on its face... If this HEROES Act gives the executive branch the authority to eliminate student debt during a national emergency, what it's going to hinge on is, what does that mean? What does eliminating student debt during a national emergency mean? And the thing is, is it could mean what they've done already, which is pause the payments on student debt versus truly forgiving student debt, right? There's a difference. If they pause it, you still owe it. If they eliminate it, well, you don't owe it. So something to consider, right? Because the pause was across the board, right? It, it applied to everybody. But it does this new elimination doesn't apply to everybody, all right? And, and that may be. Um, I mean, I, I suppose, and look, don't kill me on social media for saying this, but it almost creates a discriminatory effect, but not in the way that people ever want to talk about it being discriminatory, right? Because you're just, look, all discrimination means is that that you're treating a group of people different than you are another group of people, right? So it doesn't have to be essentially racially motivated, right? But what this is doing is this is saying, well, if you make a certain amount, you don't qualify. Okay? You you don't get your debt forgiven. But if you make under that amount, you do. Well, aren't we putting people in the boxes, right? people who make over a certain amount, and uh, that amount, uh, I know for families is two hundred fifty thousand. I believe it's uh, exactly half of that for individuals. I believe it's $125, $125,000, um for individuals, right? If you make over that, tough luck, you don't get ten thousand dollars forgiven, right? Another key here is if you qualified for a Pell Grant, you actually get twenty thousand. Okay, I, I don't fully know how the Pell Grants work, but um, you'll get 20000 in cancellation. Now, here's kind of some of the big things. It's They're, they're going to change the way the income-driven repayment plan is done. That's not a bad thing, right? Look, I mean, I went to law school. I have student loans. I get it, right? Um, the, the income-driven repayment thing is amazingly confusing. It's convoluted. There's like four different options. They all sound kind of the same. It's I swear to God, it's like sitting for the bar exam where – Option A, option B, and option C sound almost the same, and you got to pick the one that's the most right, right? And option D is clearly wrong, right? It's kind of like how figuring out the income-driven repayment plan is. So you know that's that's one of the things that that they're looking to fix. Uh, another thing is, and, and this is, look, I you know, I think that the student loan system. This is my own personal opinion, but student loan system is broken. It really is. I mean. Look, do I understand more about how these things work now at my age now versus when I was in school? Yeah, absolutely, right? But what they never call it, right? I've never heard it called this, but this is what it is, okay? Student loans work on compounding interest. You know what else works on compounding interest that you hear is bad, 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 bad? You listen to you know, all the Dave Ramseys of the world that are you know, all about fixing credit and everything else. Credit cards. Credit cards are bad. Why are credit cards bad? They're compounding interest because each month they add interest into the principal. So if you had $100 of principal and there was $10 of interest left over, now your principal is $110. And now you're being charged interest on $110, right? That's exactly what student loans did, right? And they call it this income-driven repayment plan. And they go, hey, look, we're gonna, your minimum payments are gonna be manageable because they're going to be based on your income, right? But what we're gonna bury in the fine print and not really tell you, right? Because, well, and I'm, look, I'm sure they told you because I'm sure it's in the, in all the agreements that you sign, right? So I'm not gonna sit here and say it didn't exist, but who's reading those? We all know, we all know no one's reading those, right? So what's happening is, is you're making these payments that are actually less than the full interest. Then that interest is getting put back into the loan. And now you're paying more interest into the future because your principal balance is higher. Okay. One of the things that this has changed is it, and I don't know if it's across the board, right? But for some borrowers, there is some language in there that will stop the, it's called capitalizing. It'll stop that interest from capitalizing back into the principal. So it'll stop it from being a compounding loan. So if you think about it like this, you have your car loan, right? You have your your home loan, your mortgage, right? You have a specific amount. So say it's $30,000, and you know that the interest rate is 3% and therefore you know your payment is, I don't know what, $250, $300, right? So you know every single month if I pay $250, Let's say I'm paying my principal and my interest, and it's coming down. And after whatever the specified amount of time is on a car payment, call it five years. After five years, if I make every single one of those payments and I don't miss one, I have now paid off my loan and I'm done. I'm out. Paid off. But student loans don't work like that. And that's where I think some of the the difficulty and problems become. But anyway, does Biden have the authority to do so? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I think we're going to see some legal challenges to this in the very near future. So I know it's not really an answer, but I think it is an answer. If, if you ask me what, what I think from from my side, what my legal opinion is, I, I think that he's, that the, the court's going to say, no, you didn't have the authority to do that. You had the authority, which is what you did, which was to pause student loans, okay? pause the repayment because of the national emergency. But now that the national emergency is over, then you got to start making payments. Now, could you make the argument that the national emergency is still ongoing because of inflation? And it is, and then you bring up the broader question of, is inflation a national emergency? I mean, we could go down this path of if this, so, and analyze it, is inflation a national emergency? And what rate does it have to be? Is our high gas prices a national emergency? I mean, we could really get dizzying into what, National emergency means, but I think the most clear cut way to look at it is yes, a pandemic like the coronavirus pandemic was a national emergency. Uh, is inflation and gas? I don't know, right? I think that's a, a question. I think that's I think we're going to see that come up in court and see if if that you know actually is right because we could come down to timing. I mentioned timing before, right? Waited two years to actually do this. If he did this and implemented this two years ago during the pandemic phase of the pandemic, would it be a different story? I think so. I think you have a stronger tie to a national emergency. But I still think it's going to fail. I think that eventually someone's going to challenge it in court and it's going to fail in court and we're going to see uh, that student loan forgiveness undone. But that's just uh, my lowly opinion from sitting here in Tampa, Florida. So anyway, thanks for listening to the Law Father podcast. Check us out on all of our social media. Check us out on YouTube. These videos will be up on YouTube as well. And uh, like and subscribe to the podcast Lawfather out